Welcome back to Motherhood, Mayhem, Madness and Meaningfulness. I'm Shemi Olcott, four-time Olympian, sometime TV presenter and full-time exhausted but immensely proud mum of two. My guest today is also a mum of two, but to make the challenge even greater, hers are beautiful twin boys. I've known Vicky since we were at primary school together. As normal with life's busyness, we haven't seen each other in person for a long, long time. But obviously, we know all of each other's major milestones, thanks to social media. <laughs> From afar, this is how I have seen Vicky's life over the last 10 years unfold. Married an Aussie, yep. got pregnant, yep. had twins, yep. embarked on a huge career change brought about through her passion of photography, yep. fell in love with the nomadic living and spent many a day creating memories in her loved but beaten up RV. Yeah. <laughs> it all really does sound quite idyllic. The kind of life of adventure that so many mums dream about but don't necessarily have the guts to follow through. Well, Vicky, hats off to you. <laughs> how how do you manage that decade? <laughs> you haven't even got any wrinkles. <laughs> oh, I feel like I have. Dark circles around the eyes. Um <clears throat> It's been a blast. I would say it's been a blast. Obviously, we block out so much. Don't we do, we? yeah. You <laughs> the, only remember the highlight reel. Things. Yeah, yeah, the highlight reel is awesome. Yes. <laughs> and I take very pr pretty pictures of it all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's highs and lows to anything. And um, I guess the biggest thing in the last decade was shock. You're having twins and my whole life kind of being railroaded. Did that run in the family? Yes, and everyone always says that and say, oh, did it run the family? So then you should expect it. Oh, yeah, but everyone you didn't. says that. No, of course I didn't. Um, my mum's sisters are twins, so my mum is one of 11, and the sisters who came just after her when she was 18 months old are twins. Okay, so wow. So it does run in the family, and contrary to popular belief, um, it only if it's genetic twins, it's only on the woman's side um, that they can be the ones who... Um, kind of it has to be the women's because it's all about how many eggs you release right yes, of so course. Yeah, some yeah. months you release two and yeah, some yeah. months I release unless two. they split and then that's identical which is identical right? yeah okay. yeah um so do you, do you find it tough that does everyone expect them to be IVF yeah people ask how they're conceived yeah and I say I had sex with my husband yeah great I yeah. mean <laughs> that's how it happened <laughs> um, but when and you see twins really... quite a lot of the time you're like oh can I ask you know how yeah. it was and everything because people go well like you know I, I chose to have IVF and then I chose to have twins yes yeah and I did read somewhere I read a lot um as I think <laughs> you do like research is my friend sometimes not my friend um, <laughs> but research is my friend and I read a lot and there was a lot being said by mums of IVF twins who said you know as women who don't have IVF like we should actually all stick together and just say it's kind of rude to ask like how mm. they kind of came about and kind of all stand together on that but I'm quite a blunt but it's hard to know person. I mean the other day one of my friend had um has donor babies mm. and I said oh what do they say that they're about their dad and she's like no show me they don't have a dad they have a donor yeah so it's all about kind of learning the, the right language yeah and, and it I, is really hard it is I think isn't it's it? really hard and, and you don't mean to insult ever no no it's just interest I think intrigue yeah. we're naturally curious people. we are we are and I know we, we were kind of saying before about how when you're pregnant you kind of open yourself up I also mm. found like just having twins walking down the street when they were tiny um just opened yourself up to so many questions people would say to me are they identical there was one like yeah one old lady are they identical and I said no and she said 
oh, that's really disappointing. No way. I'm so sorry. I disappointed you. Or, um, oh, twins. What are they? Boys. Oh, you poor thing. Isn't that incredible? Um, and you're just like, oh, okay. Um, First of all, it's none of their business, but secondly, it's completely insensitive. You know, yeah. it is what it is, and you love them because you're their mum, and they're perfect to you in their imperfect way. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so, I mean, we just open ourselves up to all that kind of stuff, don't I we? I wasn't saying your boys were imperfect. No, no, no. I was they saying are. that the world... They're terribly and, you imperfect. Know, you know, that, that that's what makes <laughs> children so joyous, because I yeah, only show pictures are. of Lockie and his little dimple smiling on oh, the social yeah. media. But do you know what it is? I was saying the other day, because I really want to show real-life motherhood, mm. um, but when he's having a tantrum, the last thing I think about is getting my phone yeah. out. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, no, try- I'm embarrassed, I'm trying to suppress the situation, I'm trying to make him happy and yeah. distraction. The last thing I think is oh I should show people that sometimes my life is a bit yeah tough. there is that but I would say in my photography which I'm sure we'll get to it is about kind of real moments as well mm. and I adore I've got some pictures of my boys pulling the muddiest faces where they're Amazing. just so cross with me oh and, yeah you know those kind in of that intense looks. yeah yeah or like you want to document it's that all well. emotion yeah. yeah I just love emotion so kind of emotion of any kind I um, went to um, Isabella Plantation recently and mm. you know it, Vicky knew my mum and that was one of her favourite mm. places so I always go this time of year and Cooper's yeah. this is his first year where the flowers have been in, oh. in bloom so we went there and I wanted do this lovely family portrait of all of us and, and I had to do it on a self-timer mm. stuck on the pram so all very technical <laughs> anyway and it did it and I was like great shot great shot I uploaded it to social media and only later did I realise that Cooper was being sick of the shot <laughs> but I was like that's like, you've funny got, there's too many of us to keep count of I was now. like that's completely yeah. real three out of four yes three out of four <laughs> the stats are in my favour in this um, how, how was your pregnancy with two horrendous absolutely awful it was funny actually because I'm such an adventurer but we um I was about eight weeks pregnant when we set off around Europe for two months in a camper van amazing um, this was this was pre-planned and you didn't let pregnancy get in the way you thought this is what well we, we were going out we've got my husband's Australian and we had two of our Australian mates were getting married within kind of two weeks of each other in different parts of Europe. So we thought we'd take the camper van and make a big trip of it. And I think I probably left the camper van for about four days out of the whole time because I just couldn't. I was so sick. We were driving through the Alps in the camper van. I had to drive everywhere because I was just vomiting. Like the Alps And you needed the summer. control of driving, yeah, right? Like, it was horrendous. We had the most amazing camping spot, Lake Como, right by a little pizzeria, bar. Oh, heavenly. Um, heavenly. Not. <laughs> there was a German family camping next door, and every day the little boy would come out and say to my husband, uh, is your four line coming out today? <laughs> and he'd say, no, not today. And I would just, I just was so sick. And I think the reason I'm kind of telling that story is because I think if I had been at home that sick, like part of me was thinking everyone gets morning sickness, like fucking... Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse Beep. me. Uh, growing up, um, you know, it's, you know, everyone gets morning sickness. Yeah. Get over it. Man up. Love that phrase. Man up. Um, woman up. Woman up. Um, and get over it. And... That does sound quite severe. I mean, I've been very lucky in both my horrendous. But I So you thought it was normal? I just thought it was normal. I thought that's what oh everyone gosh. had and I was kind of a bit weak. So I just got on with it. Oh I God, think... isn't that horrendous? Yeah. You even thought you were weak. Your I body's know. making two lives, not just one. And I had no idea. And then things like I'd been vegetarian and you wanted all meat. I wanted was red meat and vegan did, did Italy. Did you succumb? Spaghetti bolognese every night. I had to. It was like this major... 
you know, I was obviously needing the iron. Yeah, yeah. Producing two boys, I think, you know, you kind of need that extra. Um, but I think if I'd been at home and I'd spoken to my midwife about how ill I was, you know, they often give people early scans because it is a sign of twins. Having... Oh, you didn't know you had, you had well, no, twins? No, no, it was went. eight weeks, yeah, and I hadn't had a scan. So I didn't know it was twins. And I think okay. if I'd been at home, then I might is have defected. Is that a sign? It. If yes. you've got really bad... Yeah, really... Not anyone can have morning sickness. Oh, but... of course. But one of the things they might look for is, we'll just give you a scan and see if it is twins. Okay. And, uh, but because I wasn't at home, I didn't have that. And nothing helped with this sickness? No. You just had to ride it out. Yeah. Isn't that brutal? Oh, it was awful. And, it was and, really awful. And the toughest thing is for so many is that you can't tell your boss, you can't tell anyone that no. you're pregnant. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have to hide it. And it carried on throughout pretty much the whole pregnancy. Nine months. Yeah. Nine <gasps> months of sickness. Uh, lots of fainting. Um, because you've got three times as much blood, blood pumping around your body with twins. Um, I was commuting into London from Sussex, so oh kind of on my feet, working in a PR agency. Um, I remember once going to a client meeting and fainting on the train, and it was my boss who had to say, go home. You, you, you've just collapsed on a train. You yeah, need yeah, to go yeah. home. Think about yourself. Like, oh yeah, so I finished work Because you are quite early. driven, so you were trying to do everything. Yeah. I Even just don't want to be weak. Diet. That's probably going to be a running thing. Um, so, do you not want to be weak, or do you not want to be perceived to be being weak? Yeah, Is yeah it I mean, it's definitely perception? a perception. Yes, yeah. I mean, I I care way too much what people think. Well, mm, that's changing, but I did <laughs> at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so the pregnancy was pretty horrific. I wouldn't say there was any of it I enjoyed, which was really disappointing, like physically, but also mentally. From the moment I found out it was twins. I went quite downhill mentally and I've written about this as you know we talk a lot about postnatal depression and that is something that is really widely discussed which is amazing and so many people are aware but yeah antenatal depression you know people don't really talk about and it's everyone coming up to you saying oh my goodness it's twins that's the most exciting thing that's ever happened and you feel pressure and you're feeling terrible inside you're sick yeah, and, and you're I, worried. But my life was ruined as far as I was concerned. Oh I really God. thought my life was ruined. You know, we love adventure and we love going places and I'm fiercely independent. And suddenly I was being told that I would have two babies. So you can't travel on a plane on your own until they're two. What? Uh, with two of them. Because you have to have them on your lap. So you have so to be not, one oh adult per one under two. Never thought about that. Um, and that was th- like all my dreams of... Everything I had envisaged in my head yeah. that having my baby would be like was was gone. Oh. Um, so that was really tough. And did to you talk to, to anyone with. about it? Yeah, I did actually. I saw a good therapist, and I never got diagnosed with anything. But we talked a lot about kind of my anxiety around why I was so fiercely needing to do everything on my own. And I know you've talked about community and stuff, but I was like, it's all going to be on my own. I I don't want a C-section. I want to be able to drive, like all, everything. Um, So, yeah, I I talked it through, which really helped. How we were both, and all of our friends were were brought up. Because I think we were all, we all had really strong mothers. Yeah. And it was like, you can do this. You can do it on your own. You don't need another half. You don't need support. Yeah. And that's great to some extent. But in this, I always find that when you are pregnant and you're having a baby, you go back to needing that maternal yeah. support. Yeah. You need your mummy again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, sure. it's, you've gone out of home, you've, you've moved on, you found someone else to love you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> multiple people, whatever. You're in a situation. You but you get pregnant and you're yeah. like, I need my mum. Yeah, completely. 
And I mean, it's weird because 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 you know we're told that we can do everything on our own. Yeah, yeah. And it was a big shock not being able to and being so ill. I think it would just like it just hit me. Like, so you're never going to get pregnant with. again. <laughs> I don't want to. My husband's keen for a third, but I don't want It might not be a third. No, I don't want a third and fourth. Yeah, you have to be prepared for that now. Yeah, and I don't think actually, seriously, mentally I am. Um, I think it would would be too much. Does everyone always ask that as well? Because I find that every time you have another baby, it's like, you're going to have another one. It's like, just let me enjoy. Do you know what? Keepers four months old. Yeah, probably that. But it's actually the opposite with twins. Everyone's like, oh, well, you did it all at once. So you're done now. Okay. So, so it's easy, you know, buy one, get one free, easy, yeah. you did it all at once, one pregnancy, got your two kids, and part of me is, well, I only wanted one, I'm an only child, so, I, well, not so, but I did only want one, and as has kind of been my mantra, I make plans and the twins laugh, and that's pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah, they laugh so, at me. Wait till you see what days. we've got in store yeah. for your plan, Mum. Yeah, you want one kid, huh? yeah. there's two of us. Um, and, how, and how was the labour? I can't, do you, know, do you know what I can't imagine? I, obviously, mum of singular babies, when they came out, it's just such a rush of emotion mm. and you're just staring at this tiny mm. thing. When you have two, what happens? You get that one, then you get, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, and then it's like, okay, you take him, hubby. I've got another one yeah. to love. Um, How does that work? You know no different. So right. I don't know what it's like. And that is part of, that was kind of part of the sadness. I don't know what it's like to hold, my one baby and that be the most important thing in my universe because I have always been torn but um, love but heart and love is infinite it is absolutely so it doesn't mean infinite. none of this means no 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 and they love them both as my much most as, important yes. things but I've never held one baby and because you know that feeling and I don't know what it's like when you have your second but that feeling with a newborn where they take precedent over everything yeah and you know I would have I'd be holding one and another one would start crying and you just have to push up. Yeah. But with the birth, um, someone told me I had to give birth naturally, so I did that. Um, and wow. I would say that no one... Do you mean without no, drugs? No, no, no. Okay. Like, just a vaginal birth yeah, rather yeah, than yeah, a C-section. Yeah, right, right. We had all the drugs. Okay, all okay, the drugs. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you've got two. And... Yeah, so I was induced. Um, I was oh, in... which makes the contractions tougher, I think. I yes. think I'm not medically training this, but no, from my experience. I was induced three weeks early, uh, which, again, I was told that I should do. Yeah. I, w- I really went into it, even though I'm a big researcher, I went into it thinking these twins it's off my kind of view on things is off the table and in a way that was hugely freeing because I felt I didn't really feel much judgment everything that I was deciding to do people would say to me oh but that's okay because you're having twins so you know do you want to breastfeed or not breastfeed well it doesn't matter because you're having twins so whatever you do is fine which should be the case anyway I know (laughs) I know all right but it did relieve it didn't relieve it relinquished a lot of the responsibility I had so I just really let the consultants and the midwives tell me what to do which is interesting because you're quite a controlling person I know so did you struggle with letting that control go you know it's not your personality no because I think I was so like in the moment I was a rabbit in the headlights I think I was just like tell me what to do and I did I wanted to know when I was having them so being told I could be induced early was actually which most most people were twins at first seven weeks yeah it's pretty normal yeah yeah it's full term they were fine yeah I should have gone full term I had a friend um actually who was pregnant with twins at the same time as me and she was 
very strong and she said there's no medical reason why my non-identical twins with separate placentas need to be induced if there is no and if she's comfortable and she's yeah been, then yeah. she and she's like scan me every day and i kind of wish i'd gone down that route but i was just yeah, i just did what i was like told that. yeah you did what you're told and right so you look a, at the boys amazing yeah hindsight's an amazing thing isn't it yes. but so i did go in to get induced um had a bit of look it was it was pretty bad, the whole situation. I got induced and the contractions came on really strong, really aggressive. I had a bit of a fight with the midwife about wanting to be checked and she wouldn't check me for ages. And then when she checked me, I was seven and a half centimetres dilated, so they had to rush me up. I got an epidural and everything just stopped. For near on, I was having contractions, but very slow. From going get, getting dilated uh, within a couple of hours that far to then nothing. No Is that movement. a consequence of epidural? Um, I believe it can, can be. be a consequence of epidurals that you are going so fast and, and then you it did relaxes seven and a half you. centimeters on your own. Which yes, is amazing. Like just on the label, like yeah, on yeah. the ward, like with everyone. And it was only because a woman actually in the next bay to me, Pete Ramon said, "I think you need to get checked. You are in labour." And I was like, am I again? Like, you have done this before. No, yeah. um, so then I went, yeah. And so then it took ages and it was like every midwife would come in and say, you'll definitely have these babies on my shift. Shift change. <laughs> Next little midwife coming. Did you have a favourite midwife? <laughs> I can't remember them. I had about seven. <laughs> um, but in the end, it turned out that twin one, Alfie, was his head was tipped and he was never coming oh, out. Yeah, yeah, never yeah, going to yeah. come out. So I had been pushing for, I think it was around 21 hours. Oh my um, gosh. And then I got rushed to, um, to theatre. Went into theatre. They got Alfie out. Oh no, so I got rushed into theatre and then, then it got worse because then they thought the epidural was running out but they couldn't give me another one so then I had a spinal block. And the spinal block was incredibly effective to the point where I couldn't feel anything from my chin down, completely paralysed. I felt oh paralysed, I wasn't paralysed. Oh and they were telling me to push, but then I also had a panic attack because it was so quick, how quickly I could just, you know, lose feeling, feeling yeah. everywhere. I yeah. couldn't even feel And obviously they're breathe. saying to you, this is, this is temporary, don't worry, blah, blah. Well, I actually had the anaesthetist who was amazing, holding my face, looking me in the eyes, and I think for the entire of me giving birth, he just looked me in the eyes and was saying, everything's normal, everything's fine, everything's normal. And he just kept repeating it. And I just focused so much on what he was saying because I couldn't panic. Yeah. I couldn't go anywhere. I was yeah, that's completely it. frozen. Yes. <gasps> so that was quite scary. And actually, two days after giving birth, next time he was on shift, he actually made sure to come and speak to me and say, I want to talk to you about what happened because it wasn't normal and I don't want you to fear if you ever needed anything like that yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he was incredible. But yeah, then, so Alfie came out and then we had 45 minutes waiting for Teddy and to the point where they got the special care resuscitation Which is quite team. a long time. Really teams. long time. In fact, um, yes. Yeah, they had the special care baby team come in, wait for him, because they were sure he you know, he was going to be iffy. And you knew this. You oh, you knew that the, the interim between twins shouldn't be that long. It shouldn't be 45 minutes. But you kind of have no concept of time, do you? Like, yeah. in, throughout any kind of labour, it seems there's no concept of time. But it was a long time. But then suddenly the room got very full. I already had loads of students in there wanting to witness a twin birth. And there was just so many people around. Um, my husband was with me. But I'd also had my mum in um, when I was just on the maternity ward. And she had to stay outside. So I knew she was kind of panicking. Um, but they... 
yeah, so they were waiting for him, and then my husband heard the um, heard the consultant say we're going to need to cut her open. So this was one birth naturally, and then they were getting ready to cut me open to have second as a C-section, and he just looked at me and just said, "Push, push! You've got to push!" You've got this was like a secret connection. <laughs> he wasn't supposed to hear that. No, and he knew that that was my absolute worst nightmare would be one natural one C-section. Yes. Yeah how yeah um so i um, why why what, what 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 would be the dire consequence of that of having one naturally would you i think i was just or? i think no i just think the recovery i was yeah, just worried yeah. about the recovery yeah. because that is the um i think that's the biggest myth of giving birth is that um i was always told that vaginal births hurt up until the point you have the baby and c-sections hurt after you've had the baby mm. and um I certainly didn't experience that. My vaginal birth hurt way before and also way after, (laughs) weeks after. So, but yeah, so I just pushed, pushed, pushed and I got Teddy out um, absolutely fine. Special care baby unit, like the resuscitation team came and left and he he was absolutely fine. Oh my God, the relief. Yeah, so, but it was very frantic in there. Um, So there was no skin on skin. Yeah, there was yeah. no all the stuff relaxing. that you read you're supposed to do I'd had all my music playing on maternity ward and I had a pillow with essential oils and <laughs> yeah there was Enya was there Enya was with yeah. you <laughs> I know it's so funny isn't it all these plans you have I and know. yet you know and, and I was very open I was always very open and I think I am a very open person I do like to be in control but I don't mind things kind of shifting and moving yeah. and I think as it's I said quite, it's quite exciting sometimes yeah, isn't it also the twin adventure. thing has given me permission to yeah. to go with it and yeah. you know I got a sign in their nursery before they were born chaos is a friend of mine and that has always kind of been yeah. my mantra is that we are chaos and we kind of just go with whatever so I was alright with that and I kind of took everything in my stride I think it was only afterwards I realised just quite how awful it had been <laughs> yeah. um well, when you're yeah. in the moment, you can't. You just think this is what it is, especially yeah. your first. This yeah. is what to expect. And I ended up having to have a blood transfusion because I'd lost so much blood. But it's funny, isn't it, that you're going through, in so many situations, they don't tell you very much. And I am one of those people who can kind of take things in my stride. And mm-hmm. I am kind of information is power. But they didn't tell me how much like blood I'd lost. It was only a few days later they said to me, you know you're feeling really terrible. If we give you a blood transfusion, you'll feel much better. And I'm like, give it to me. Like, tell, like, yeah, just yeah. give me that. So um, it was, yeah, kind of rabbit in the headlights, I'd say, throughout the whole thing. It was just whatever they said to me is what we did yeah you Um, have you have to trust them i I think the nhs are amazing i have had amazing experiences very different experiences and um yeah same kind of thing with my second labor actually because i'm a goal setter yeah um so i was three centimeters dilated. (laughs) i knew that i was not in proper labor and i had a long way to go so then when i was in ridiculous amount of pain with these contractions and there was no time in between I knew that I was still not in labour mm. and no one had checked me. Mm. Um, and then eventually I moved to the labour ward and 10 minutes later gave birth. So yeah. then I had been hitting all these gold targets but no one had told me. So mm. I needed to know, oh gosh, the reason I'm feeling pain is because I'm 6 centimetres, yeah. 10 centimetres. I only knew because the room came flooded with people yeah. turning on the lamp. What are they doing that for? I'm not, I'm not even in labour, I'm just in a lot of pain. Oh, they're heating that yeah. so that when the baby comes out right now... And yeah. it's strange, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean that's because things go off plan, and they're trying to just deal with the safety. And they have so many different women they're dealing with. Yeah, like so many. We are lucky living down in Sussex on the south coast. I had the same midwife throughout. The same um, midwife visited me for two weeks afterwards, like every day. Um, When I went in for my scans, I even saw the same. Amazing. Um, a woman who did the scans, so she would know that she needed to just turn the temperature like right down to freezing in the room to have my scans because she knew I fainted every time I went kind of uh, to have my scans. So really amazing things. I think it was just chaos for, yeah. and also this burning desire to give birth naturally. And like I say, no one was handing out medals. So no, whether I would do that no, again, you think, don't you? I I was really my, my first labour, um, pregnancy. I remember overhearing Dougie speaking to his friend saying, "Shemi won't need drugs. She's tough as nails." And that played yeah. in my head the whole time. And with Lockie, I was like, I can't do this. And I looked at Doug in the eyes and I'm, like, I'm going to disappoint you, but I need this epidural. And he's like, what the hell yeah, are you like, talking I about? You're not and I, in me. my head, he says he never said it. Yeah. So, but in my head, I made up that this is what he said. Com- yeah. A throwaway comment. Oh, yeah, you know, she won't need drug, blah, blah. She's got a metal leg, blah, blah. All this completely yeah. irrelevant irrelevant yeah. but I felt like I was letting him down yeah totally not thinking about what I needed yeah so interesting but anyway putting all this chaoticness of yeah. uh, the pregnancy and the labour aside the labor you've side. got two amazing boys I do what, what have your twins taught you about you um god so much um I think I think there's a funny thing when you become a mum and you just have no idea how it will affect you. And, you know, working in fast-paced PR agencies in London, you know, I've seen some mums desperate to get back in the office. Some mums, before they become a mum, say, oh, I'll be straight back into work. And then they just want to be a stay-at-home mum. They just have a huge effect on you. And you just don't know yeah. how you're going to respond to that. And I think that that is quite incredible. And the way I've really responded to it is... Things don't, the the little things don't matter anymore in a way. And that's kind of when you talk about, you know, career shift and that kind of thing. There's just so much that I used to care about Mm -hmm. that I just don't care about anymore. Is that where the photography, you were like, you know, I love taking photos. I take good photos. It's my passion. It really is. It's that. And it's also, I just wanted to capture everything. Yeah everything I just want to remember and hold on to there wasn't a moment that went by that I didn't want to remember like stupid things like I took a photo of my son last week with his little muslin square which is left over from when he was a baby but he said to me last they start school in September and he said to me last week I want to keep hold of my my muzzy forever I don't want anyone to ever tell me I can't sleep with my muzzy and I say of course you don't you don't have to you can always sleep with your muzzy knowing full well give him a year and he's at school (laughs) he'll ditch the muzzy and that just breaks my heart but he'll be someone so different with different views yeah that I just how how do you how do you look at that situation and capture that as a photographer though because for me that's that's a very emotional personal situation how how Mm. do you take a how does one take a photo or something like that because I know a lot of people listening to this are mums and will think you know there are so many situations and memories that I would like the one thing we do is take mm. a lot of photos, but a lot of people don't think about the emotional story behind a picture. Yeah. How, how do you get that out in, in a singular frame? 
it well I try to tell stories so lots of practice I guess would help you but I try to tell stories through what I do so it is just those moments you know I take pictures of the boys eating breakfast or going into someone else's home I say to them just show me what you do in the morning mm. and it's actually sometimes when it's someone else's eyes looking at what you do that they see those special moments and it really is your everyday isn't it okay so, so you don't go right this family want me to take a photo let's go somewhere amazing that I that you know you go yeah. where do you like going where's special for you which I think is really yeah empowering. I do I do do that a lot of people come to me now because they want photos of the beaches near yes. us in Sussex because a lot of my photos are down there yeah that's really special to me but so for example getting kids to smile you will never hear me say the word cheese say cheese um you'll never hear me say those words if I had um Lockie here now I would say say mommy Say mummy as loud as you can. And little kids can't say the word mummy without great. beaming. Slightly older kids, I say, and I get the mummy and the older kids to sit there and I'll say, tell me about your favourite meal that mummy cooks you. And not only does the, the child eyes. start talking yeah. about the pizza that she makes from scratch and puts the toppings on, but mummy's face, yeah. looking at her son like yeah. or daughter, talking about them. Oh, that's fab. And it's just having those moments mm. where it's just completely natural, raw emotion. Yeah. I think that is, for me, yeah, motherhood is raw and it's fierce and it kind of came in and just grabbed hold of me and took over your life yeah and I've always been a passionate person but it just lit a fire in my belly that I can't couldn't put out and I couldn't just go back to normal so life. is this your way because your boys are growing up is this your way of staying part of that excitement of motherhood by keeping taking photos of other people's kids isn't that quite interesting yeah like it probably being part is it probably is I just love emotional yeah. love do you know what I say to get lucky to laugh because everyone's <laughs> I, I'm not sure this is PC but I go hubba bubba and I didn't even know where it came from I think I, I said it up. once and it cracks him up yeah it and really, it becomes yeah. your thing yeah it becomes your thing so I would probably take a photo of you saying that hubba bubba because you want to remember <laughs> yeah. that yeah and I think oh, I was so rubbish in the beginning can I tell you of... a bad story go on then so I've done I'm very fortunate to have Hello support us um, through yeah. our pregnancy and wedding and everything and last year they did a Christmas shoot at the house with me and my friend Amy Williams and our kids and the photographer I, I didn't know him before normally there's one guy we always work with who I love yeah um but he the way he got the baby so look at him he would bark like a dog <laughs> behind the lens he'd be going what's up so then obviously the babies Oscar and Lockie would look at him but they'd be petrified yeah. I was like do you do Shocked. lots of baby <laughs> lots of photos kids. yeah and he's like oh it always works they always look at me I'm like yeah, but how about they look at you without fear in your eye? It was really <laughs> interesting for me that that was his technique. So I prefer the, yes, yeah, yeah, same mummy lad. So there you go, loudly. top tip from Vicky there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I also want to address your adventure side because mm -hmm. this is something that I love. I love the fact that, I think you've sold the RV now, haven't you? We have. We oh. had to sell the camper van for two reasons. Right. One was because the engine failed and we would have had to buy a new engine 
<clears throat> and the other reason was we used to VW camp fans are, like the old ones are actually quite small um, and we used but they're the classic you've got to have them yeah <laughs> yeah and we would sleep in the bed, so it would be me and the two boys in the bed. And yes. they've been sleeping in that camper van since they were two months old. We right. took them out the first time. They've been in it so much, sleeping in it. Um, and my husband would sleep in a tent outside. No which way. he loved. Relegation. Oh, okay. He loved because okay. he would get a full night's sleep. Okay. I'd be up with the kids, okay. you know, feeding them and whatever else. Um, but the summer before we sold it, they turned around and said to me, Mommy, the bed's too small now. They said that yeah, to you? Oh, I was okay. like heartbroken. So. So, um, and it was too small. Um, but yeah, so we sold we sold the camper van, but um, we still go camping a lot. We just got back from Australia where we hired a camper van um, for three weeks, kind of driving around. What's your, what's your favourite memory of you and your family in, in the camper van? My absolute favourite is bed and bath time with the boys. Okay. In I can't even imagine that, right? water by a campfire, like in the middle of nowhere. So you took tubs with you? Yeah, we what had just like a plastic tub, right. you know, like yeah. those tubs you might use in the garden. Yes. Yeah, fill it up with water, like heat it with the kettle, water, sit them by the campfire, oh and my just gosh. sit in these tubs. House we... on the prairie, kind of like <laughs> out in the open. Well, we took the boys to a festival when they were six months old, and we've got these pictures of them just like sitting in these kind of that is phenomenal. bath tubs, then wrapping them up in the fire. And now they're really competent, I mean, they're four and a half, but they're really competent with fires, and they light fires, and you know, they'll cook on the fire. So when we were just in Australia now, just like seeing them cooking on the fire, and yeah. just being wild, bit feral. Uh, which my mom hates, but I love. Um, not washing anymore. They don't do bath time anymore. When we're away. <laughs> you don't have that routine. They don't need that big bath. No. Story. I mean, I try. It ends in chaos with two of them in the bath. But um, yeah, just that kind of I love outdoor, that. outdoor, yeah, outdoor the outdoors. But that's probably my favourite memories mm. of them. I see that. I can. I mean, for me, for me, that is on my to do list this summer. Actually, with yeah. two because. Cooper's not walking yet. He's only four months, and Lockie's wild. And um, we were looking at renting our house out and driving down Norway in a camper. Amazing. Um, and then actually, we got to the end of the season. I left when Cooper was two weeks with the family. Mm. I'd been away for two, two and a half months already, <laughs> and I was like, I'd really like to go home. Like, I'd like a, I'd I like a big a bed, wardrobe, a wardrobe, a, a bath. <laughs> I'd like to know my kitchen, know which drawer yeah. the knives and forks are in. Yeah. Just you know, because you take all that for granted. And um, so we didn't do it, but it's definitely, it is on my to-do list mm. in life, just to, to live out there in the wild. I, I Those shows on TV, mm. I love those. Oh, I love those. The yeah. escape to the wild, escape, yeah. oh, amazing. Yeah. But I also think you can do, you can bring your kids up, and I, I am really passionate about this, bring your kids up with an outdoor lifestyle from home mm. as well. I think... I mean, what you mean? Not live in a house camp in the garden, you know? Is that kind of? But just, just have them outside all yeah. year round. I mean, people always say to us about kids being outside in winter. Um, our kids go to a forest nursery. Um, yes, yeah, so we were going to talk moment. about this because yeah. these nurseries are popping up everywhere. They are. They are. They're they're forest massive. school forest is school. massive, and yeah. the boys did forest school when they were really little. So and explain I would, what forest. What so this is. I would take them to forest school when they were little. It was kind of like going to a play group, I guess, but out side in the woods um it would be a couple of hours i'd stay with them we'd play in mud kitchens they're all over london as well as like in the countryside um there's no indoor part of it at all it's all no, outdoors no whatever the weather you prepare for the weather and you yeah, just enjoy yeah. it and the next step on from that is 
forest nursery, which is like going to normal nursery, but it is completely outdoors. So I dropped them off. I dropped them off this morning at eight and I will pick them up at six and they will have been in the woods the entire time. There's a little tent in there if it gets really rainy, but all through the winter. So, so at that age, they're still having a nap. They, they sleep yeah. outside. Mine aren't napping, but there are kids there who nap and they will go, they start them at 18 months. So they're not tiny, tiny babies there, but they will go and get their sleeping bag. And oh my gosh, no lie way. by the fire and you see it in like the nordic countries they yes. kids nap outside yeah. and well, when i took amazing. cooper at two weeks old to sweden it was minus 20 and i wrapped him up in loads and loads of layers and i kept bringing him to cafes and the lady said the mums would say no leave him outside it's better for him he's yeah. all warm he's all warm it's better healthier for him to stay out there than come into the hot and then out. and fresh air like just being outside it exhausts them First of all, <laughs> I can't tell you how good my kids sleep after a day. They go to a normal nursery and, and forest nursery mix it up. And so you so you've had experiences with both. Yeah, so they go to a Montessori normal nursery, normal nursery, um, and then they go to forest nursery as well. It's just the way it worked with kind of working times. But they um, they sleep so well after normal after forest nursery. It's unbelievable. So why why aren't they there all the time? Just to be controversial. Just because of the day that um, the forest nursery has okay. available. I okay. would have them there all the time. And I, I'm working now um, at a campsite, kind of glamping site near me, um, and they come to work with me. So they are at work with me from eight in the morning till eight at night no on the campsite, just walking around the campsite, playing. Because the other thing about forest nursery and when they're on the campsite is I don't give them anything to do. And that's something I feel quite strongly about is kids need time in my opinion, what works for me is kids. my kids need time without activities to use their imagination. I think... A massive. I've got this quote here that, uh, that, that, that... Hang on, let me... You, you keep talking, I'll find it in a second. <laughs> um, kids need time where yes, they here. can just do nothing. Never underestimate the power of free play and boredom. And I'm terrible at this because wonderful discoveries are made when children are left to their own devices to use their imagination. Absolutely. I'm terrible because I am very much... On Instagram, when I'm breastfeeding them, like, I look mm. at all these um, five-minute mums, all these things out there mm. to give me activities. So I make activities for Lockie all the time. Mm. Mm. So before he wakes up in the morning, um, I'll go and come downstairs and do a new activity and put something out there pom pom suit <laughs> no no I'm not amazing but it is but he no, never I was, gets bored I think that is I wish that I could do that but I think that is amazing and I do do activities with them I meant that getting up in the morning is incredible but it's mixing that up but I with think times they have to where be they bored. have nothing I think that's really good but you know we all but do that's because they've got a buddy because they're twins as well so so it's like yeah. you know what they've I'm, always had I a good imagination. what do you want to do they've always had a good imagination because they're twins and they make up games between them and they are lucky that I can have them at home without activities to do I used to do more activities when they're younger I think now they're getting to four um it is good for them to have the free time but it's all about the mix um activities and free time I think mixed yeah. up are great um the other thing I'd say is we also need to get better at being bored I am horrendous at being bored if I'm driving I need to be listening to a podcast if I'm on the train I need to be normally reading a book and looking at my phone and doing yeah, five things yeah. if you see like older you know older people kind of 80s 70s 80s yeah. they can sit on a train and look out the window mm. I've got this massive guilt with being bored 
So I always think I want to be bored because then I can stop yeah. and sit. I've got chairs upstairs. They're called reflective chairs. And my yeah. godmother's bought them for us on our wedding list. And I promised them that Dougie and I would sit in them just for five minutes a day mm. with silence. No, we've done it twice. We've married yeah. five years. Terrible. I just got the to-do list going through my head. But 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 I if I'm bored, I feel guilty. I'm like I should be either working. I should be doing something for motherhood. I yeah. should be you know doing something for my marriage or my business yeah. or I should be sleeping. I've got this horrendous guilt mm. on of being bored, and I think that's because we never stop. Or even things, self care things like meditation. I, you know, I can tick off meditation to the list today. I can tick this off. Yeah. But actually doing nothing. Yeah. is really difficult. Um, and I think it's the same for kids. I think, you know, learning learning to do nothing and have things not put on for them is really, it's an important skill to learn. Mm. And our kids don't get it enough. So that unrestricted play is amazing. I also think, I've always said having twin boys is like having a couple of Labradors. Like, they need exercise. I need <laughs> to exercise them or they destroy my house. But I read this amazing quote the other day that said, kids can't bounce off walls if there are no walls. So I just take them to the beach. Love that. And they can run and run and run. And they are not going to upset anyone. No need for inside voices. No. They can scream, they can shout, they can run through the dunes. And they just, yeah, just trying to get them just to play and just be little. What, what do you, what skills do you think they learn from exploring <clears throat> nature, from being outside? It's what, in your, in your perspective with your boys. With my boys, so there's a real mix of things. I think mentally, uh, there's lots of practical things that they learn. Uh, so, for example, at the forest nursery, there's a pond. They deliberately don't have a fence around the pond because they teach them to lie on their fronts so that they lie on their fronts to look at the pond because they say you could go up to another pond and the fence could fall over. Yeah. Um, they 18 months they have that as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so then that's responsibility. Yeah, responsibility. Self-awareness. Self-awareness, the free play, imagination. I also think there is a big thing with our kids. I was reading about it, about... Um, and I think, you know, as someone so interested in, like, health and fitness as you guys are, but kids these days aren't as strong as no, kids yeah, in the 80s yeah. there was a yeah. load of research done in the US about things like um, monkey bars are coming out of playgrounds because kids aren't actually strong enough to use them mm -hmm. so things like climbing trees and balance um, playing with sticks dexterity yeah there's just all kinds of skills that they're getting from yeah, just yeah, being yeah. outside that I think we're really lacking and even you know 30 years ago so when we were kids it's things that we took for granted as doing and we don't realize how much we're kind of losing that those basic skills that but you quite, learn. quite a lot of that is is changing in, in even schools i know they, they can't play compass in schools now because yeah. it's dangerous and you know i this, this weekend i was with my nephews and nieces and i wanted to play games and they were like right we need we need some fun and i found a rope and we did mm. limbo and then we did the whole massive loop yeah. skipping and then i started put it around my friend and i went this way and we did that outside inside outside on mm. game and they mm. really struggled with it because you know it was a new game to them skipping they yeah. do but do you remember we had those elastic bands yeah 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 and you had to Imagine be really they your so agile yeah and, and but you, you have know, to be agile yeah, yeah. You do. and it's hard if you don't have practice it is i mean someone said the other day looking at my boys weirdly they've always been like this but especially so now they're four and a half they're pretty much all muscle you know they've got six packs they're really strong uh, when we were out in australia they're kind of they're past the age for 
for buggies now so we took their scooters and we would go off on long long walks you know walking with them they might scoot or they might walk with us um, and you hear so much now kids like not wanting to walk far because mm. we don't we don't test them I asked my parents out of interest I was like how far did you have to walk to get to school you know my dad was like seven miles my mum was three miles and she lived in London you know that those kind of walks and yeah people would say you were cruel now to make your child like your five-year-old walk three Definitely. miles um but again that gives them the, the reflective time to 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 not have thoughts in their head to have yeah. that wonder and you know, I think doing anything outside really does reduce stress. For, for it reduces stress, and it also increases concentration as well when yes. you're not outside. Yeah. Um, so part of this US study was about how kids like fidgeting in class and not being able to concentrate on lessons that are that long. I mean, I am a bit funny about school. I really wish they didn't have to go to school, but in the system that we've got, you know, being able to concentrate is a lot better if you start your day. In my experience, with you know activity walk. yeah they had they did come out last morning. year remember they were doing this one mile at lunchtime yeah. and in the morning before school and yoga and meditation yeah and, and it had a massive effect on on learning ability yeah i really think so i see it with my boys like so so what's the negative there must be a negative is it that you know your boys are going to get to school and they're going to be hit by this system I, of structure i definitely think they're going to be hit by a truck when they go to school yeah and they're going um, to, have to sit down and they're going to, have to be quiet and they're mm-hmm. going to sit in a straight line then they have to fold their knees a certain way yeah you know all this it's definitely a worry. going to be taken away a bit yeah it's definitely a worry i've got um you've absolutely hit the nail on the head um i mean even in their other nursery which is a montessori nursery it's very child-led so if i one of my boys loves playing with blocks and doing numbers my other boy is not that keen on it so he plays in the mud kitchen and they do numbers with him um doing like mud pizza orders in the mud kitchen for example um he's not going to get that option when he goes to school he's going to get a workbook and he's going to have to do numbers exactly the same way as his brother um so i think that that is a worry my question would be what do they need for life? Well, my, that, and should they be adapting, or should we be adapting the school systems for yeah. what actually suits our kids? Because how many people go into jobs now that aren't sitting behind a desk? You know, I was hearing about the numbers for flexible working have just gone up massively as we're all kind of adapting to actually yeah. what we should be doing. You look at yeah, how, how can we Euro- bring out the best in someone? Other European countries and how they live their lives and, you know, looking at how much homework kids get and how detrimental that is to them. There's so much research out there that's really kind of glaring us in the face as this is what we should be doing, why aren't we doing it? Um, And I have a lot of internal struggle, a lot of mum guilt about that. And they are enrolled in our local primary school and they're looking to start in September. I would love to consider the option of homeschooling. Um, I think those amazing homeschool mothers have a lot of patience. Amazing patience. Um, no well, time like you say, me saying, oh my God, you're amazing for getting up and doing an activity. Like, I, I haven't got that in me to kind of, you know, that thought and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think, I wish I did. I wish I could be that kind of uh, mother. Um, that I don't think I could do it. Yeah. I would love to be able to do it. You touched upon it, but you've brought your two boys up in exactly the same parenting style, mm. exactly the same technique, environment, and yet they're yin and yang. Totally yin and yang. So, so where does that come from then? 
Well, it kind of, I guess it goes goes back to kind of like nature versus nurture. Yeah. I mean, one of them is pretty similar to my husband and one of them is pretty similar to me. Um, you have mini-me's. We do have mini-me's. We're so lucky that they complement each other. I mean, they really, they would call each other their best friends. Um, but one of them, and I won't say which one's more like me, is quite intense, very emotional. You can probably guess that one is me. Uh, very emotional, very strong-willed. And the other one is pretty cool, pretty Relax. cruisy, just wants to hang but out. you need that. Want... Imagine if and, you had two Oh, my kids. goodness. I was just having that conversation with my mom today. I was just saying, like, imagine if we had two Alfies. Um, but do you start treating them differently because of their personality shining different ways now yes so would you go right you're athletic let's do this activity with you yeah so I try not to pigeonhole them in that and I think that while they have different personalities they have very similar interests in it but okay if you Passions get them in a room okay. of 20 kids at nursery they are quite similar they're both very and they're both very physical boys um lads lads yes they they've got an Aussie dad <laughs> they they fight with each other constantly they think it's hilarious um but they're Why fighting the all line the with time. them like I've noticed with obviously Cooper's tiny but Lockie is quite rough with him because he's bigger and that's yeah. in, you know in his nature where's the line with the fighting <sighs> the French way get up if there's blood <laughs> French parents do <laughs> Do it that I know, way. I know. Apparently, that there's that great book why French children don't throw food, and apparently French. And there was a French mother I've spoken to at one of the nurseries, and um, yeah, the French way is get up when there's blood. But I do, I am very conscious, and this does not go with fighting. They're always safe, but they have a very special relationship with them, with each other. They wake up next to each other. They go to bed with each other. It is very rare that they're ever not with each other. They get quite rattled if they're not with each other. They won't necessarily play with each other all the time at nursery, say, but they they know where each other is. Okay. Um, There's the so, bond. Yeah, and they actually know each other better than I know them. Yeah. Um, and I'm well, they've quite... always been able to communicate, whereas you've yeah. been recently, you know, the last yes. few years. Yeah, so I'm quite aware of there are things that they decide. Weird twin logic that they just decide things. Alfie becomes the official spokesperson for the twins. Um, and he says, my brother and I are doing this. My brother and I are doing that. Um, so I try and let them get on with things yeah. as much as possible. The line with the fighting, though, I mean, we had a joke the other day. We're like, no eye gouging, no hands around the neck, no biting. I mean, they blur the lines constantly. But they're both as bad as each other with the fighting these days. So Yeah, so it's not one being the victim. Yeah. No, no, Which, no. So, so then... Like, one of them is bigger, uh, but his brother can definitely hold his own, so... Oh, it's so interesting. Because, yeah. obviously, I'm just starting out on the two journey. And yeah, and I wonder where... what age it gets to with two different... What's your age gap? Two years? Two years ago, yeah. yeah. So, I wonder what age it gets to for two-year age gap, where yeah. it kind of... They get to a so point there will always be that physical... Well, for a long time, for, you know, till they're teenagers, there will be that physical... Um, difference between yeah. them being smaller, Cooper being smaller. Um, but you know, it really does intrigue me. Um, we have spoken forever. We can keep <laughs> going forever and ever and ever. There's a few things I want to say here. Um, there's quotes that I've read. I believe the biggest risk our children face today is never being exposed to risk. 
I am a firm believer of risk. When I go out and do inspirational speaking and corporate talks, I'm always like, you've got to take risk. Mm -hmm. We live in a society where so many people are in their comfort zone and mm -hmm. they're happy with that. So they're not exploring who they really mm -hmm. are. And I think as parents, we owe it to young people in their informative, moldable years to teach them that risk is an important part of learning who they are yeah. and dealing with failure. Dealing 100%. with the yeah. outcome of risk, which might be amazing, mm. and it might be they fall over and you know they possibly get hurt, but we just have to deal with that and make them feel that it's not a limiting factor. Yeah, I completely agree. I am never going to be the mum in the playground who's hovering or who says, Don't do that, you're going to hurt yourself, don't do that. Mm. And I think actually telling a child that they're going to hurt themselves if they do something, it's yeah, it's preempting something and it makes them fearful. I will always say, give it a go, I believe in you. Yeah. I believe you can do it. Just give it a try. Great. And if they can't, then they... We, the slight issue is my children have been competing since the womb. So if one of them can do it and the other one can't, then it's consoling the other one. But it's just like, just keep going, just keep, just keep going. One of my boys is incredible. If he decides he wants to do something, he will practice and practice and practice and practice. He decided one, on a Friday he wanted to whistle. Um, by Sunday night he could whistle because all day he spent and his new thing is headstand stubborn he wants to do a headstand yeah. and he practices any chance to go the other one won't practice anything and then gets annoyed that he can't do it um, interesting learning <laughs> but I, I completely agree that they've got to they've got to fall over and pick themselves up again and start again yeah. like that is and that's why Vicky I didn't say this but Vicky used to be a ski racer as well and um, <laughs> so I think that's why so many of us kind of athletes who've learned from that you know skiing you fall over all the time mm. whether you're a pro whether you're learning we all fall over pick yeah. yourself up and have to go again yeah. and have the confidence to do that and I think that was probably a lesson my mum taught me as well was pick yourself up dust yourself off start again mm. like every single time and I think having mums we probably both have that same feeling from having mums who were so involved in our sporting life, who encouraged us and were there every kind of step of the way. Yeah. That that is a real thing that sport is so important for kids. Oh, you'll like this one, Vicky. Childhood is the state which ends the moment a puddle is first viewed as an obstacle instead of an opportunity. Yeah. I've seen a lot of photos of your boys running through <laughs> They love a muddy puddle. I think we all have Peppa Pig to thank for yeah. that. Um, so I think as a mum, I really yeah. that resonated with me because I just bought welly boots. Yeah. You know, I think welly boots are the most unattractive world. I found some with stud on studs on, so I think I'm a bit of a <laughs> And it means that when there's a puddle, I will go and jump yeah. in it again. And so it that's is. thirty years of my life that I walked around them and now I'm like, no, I'm gonna jump, jump in, in that, that puddle. puddle. And that's one of the things with motherhood, isn't it? That you just get to look at things kind of shiny and new yeah, and such eyes. a precious time that we're going through with kids that the age that we've got kids is everything is shiny and new yeah and they're excited about everything yeah um one more um their need children's need to be outside is not just a thrill it's a physical and emotional need and and some people and us and society we, we've just forgotten that we are and i think we've we're touched. wild animals we are we really are and if you cage a wild animal you know, they're not living their best life and they're not fulfilling their potential. And I think for kids, just having freedom, wild and free, is one of the best gifts I can give my kids, I feel, um, that that's kind of where, where they need to be, like in the wild. Yeah. And they're never happier than being in the wild. No. Oh my gosh, I could learn so much from you, Vicky. It's been <laughs> amazing to sit here and hear all about the twin life. I think that's fascinating to everyone. Mm. So thank you for enlightening me and us. Um, I'm just going to end with this. 
This is a quote from Shanti. And at the end of the day, your feet should be dirty, your hair messy, and your eyes sparkling. Always. Always. Thank you. <laughs>